Hi guys, on today's episode I have a beautiful businesswoman by the name of Levaine James joining me for a really really lovely conversation. Levaine is a serial entrepreneur who breaks the rules of what it means to be successful and instead enjoys slow living, surfing, time with her husband, they also work together, and regularly enjoy breakfast on the beach, which just sounds divine and I'm all for more beach time. We had such a lovely chat and she is just the most lovely, most wholesome, most inspiring down-to-earth person ever, so I know you're going to love this conversation. Before we get into the conversation, I want to tell you about a free masterclass that I am hosting on April 28th called Sales Magic. In just 90 minutes, you will discover how to combine authentic selling tools with a magnetic money mindset to enable you to consistently sell out your offerings. I am the sales queen and I promise you this is going to be a masterclass you do not want to miss. If you are done with feeling sleazy, pushy, gross, any of those icky feelings about selling online, then please join me for this special masterclass where you will leave feeling energized, excited, empowered, and so ready to start selling with ease. Because if you're not having fun selling, what is the fucking point? And the best thing about this masterclass is it is free. The link is in the show notes, so go and sign up now. All right, time for my chat with Levaine. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I loved recording it with her. All right, bye. All right, hi, Levaine. I'm so, 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 so excited to have you on the show. I have been following your journey for what feels like a really long time, and I've seen so many evolutions of your business. So I'm really, really hyped to sit and chat with you about it. So thank you so much for being here. Um, why don't we start by you just telling us a bit about your journey and your business um, and then we'll go from there. Oh, and thanks so much for having me. Uh, so I do a lot of different things. So I would say predominantly I'm a photographer and a videographer. I did photography at university and then it kind of led me on a journey to so many different avenues. So at the moment I run a wedding photography and video business with my husband And then I also run a women's wear store where I sell uh, fashion clothing and hats. And we also run a menswear brand. Um, And then we're in the process of building a Airbnb campsite retreat as well. So a lot of different ventures. That's amazing. And so have I got this right? You've got Wild Bride Photography, which is your kind of OG business. That's the business that you kind of became known for, I think, especially on like Instagram. And then Levain the store, which is your kind of women's apparel business. Um, Very different from photography, which is amazing. We can talk all about, you know, having different types of business. Um, Made on the open road, which is your new menswear apparel business. And then Camp Out West, which is going to be your Airbnb business, which I've only just seen. And already I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so fucking cool. (laughs) Um, so So tell us a bit about the journey into starting each business and you know I think oftentimes people get stuck on one on the on I mean it's very like corporate conditioning I have to have one business I have to have one niche I have to have one identity so how did you how did you move from having a photography business which is you know very 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 different to like product or apparel how did you move from one to the other and what you know is is 
I guess, the piece of advice that you would offer people if they do want to branch out of their current niche? So I guess my background, I worked in an office job for about eight years. So Mm. me and my husband both did the same photography course at uni. We did photography for fashion and advertising, and we're really used to working freelance for brands. And it was from there where I got my first job within the marketing team for a surf brand. I was working for Billabong and I kind of learned how to build a business and promote and sell product that way. I was the only one in the marketing team. I managed the social media and that kind of gave me a different perspective of just being a photographer. So I learned all about marketing, social media and how to really build a brand Um, And I did that for about eight years for all different brands working within like the e-com sector, just selling clothes online. We were living in London and we kind of just completely fell out of love of just sitting at a desk all day. And we were trying to decide of things that we could do if we wanted to leave London and move back to Wales job wise. And really, because a lot of Wales is old coal mining uh, villages and towns, there's not much work there. So we were like, okay, what could we do where we could still do photography, make money and live by the sea? And we came up with maybe we could do weddings, but we didn't want to shoot traditional weddings. We wanted to do things that was more our style. So the more non-traditional, like bohemian, like elopements and things. So with my background in social media, we thought we could build an online community Uh, focusing on non-traditional weddings so that's where it started the wild bride was a non-traditional wedding blog where we just shared inspiration and we built a really good audience on on there and once we had our audience we then decided to launch our packages so we had like the perfect customer base to sell our, our products and packages to and then within two months we got fully booked for the following wedding season so that meant we could leave london uh, and then move to a new place and already have work booked in. So we, we weren't having to be worried about, okay, how are we going to afford to pay our bills and things? Um, and then we did like two years in the wedding season and we kind of were falling a bit out of love with it. Um, and especially because I kind of forced my husband into it. It was like, <laughs> okay, we need to leave London. Let's just do weddings. And we were kind of thinking of things we could do with our background. So when I worked at Billabong, My husband was also the studio photographer there. So he had a photography studio in the Northampton offices and then one in the south of France. So he was always busy going between the two offices and doing like really creative things and doing weddings as much as we enjoy it. It's a lot of the same thing every week. Yeah. So I said to him, what do you think about me spending some of our money and trying to launch a hat brand? Because I I love hats. And I really saw a gap in the UK market of there being like a really strong female hat brand. Uh, So we started looking at manufacturing and then the pandemic hit Mm. and weddings came to a complete halt. So we were meant to shoot 45 weddings in 2020. And the night before our first one of the year, it got cancelled because we went into lockdown. So we were like, right, how are we going to pay our mortgage? And John was like, okay, I think now let's just put all of our savings and energy into launching the hat brand. So it was kind of, Levain's Law came out of like a necessity. Yeah. And we didn't have, oh, sorry. No, no, go for it, go for it. It, I was just saying we we didn't have um, anything else to do money-wise. So it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, we might just see if we can make this a thing. And we actually had time like our sole time to focus on it as well which was really good 
Yeah, I feel like the pandemic really was the time when so many new businesses were birthed. It was like such a such a pivotal moment in especially online business because people were suddenly mm. realizing what was possible. Um, but I think it's really interesting how you said then like one of your main drivers was like money and paying your mortgage and having like financial stability because you knew that your photography income wasn't going to be coming in. And for so many people, when they have that fear of I'm not going to get paid, I'm not going to have this income, they revert back to like old conditioning around I need to go and get an office job, a nine to five, because that is what I deem to be like secure and stable. So how were you able to take on a new adventure? Like, because entrepreneurship is a fucking adventure. How, how were you able to do that? You know, how did you, I guess, encourage your husband to come along for the ride? Because, I mean, we can talk about that in a bit because I also work with my husband. But I guess I just want to know what was going through your mindset and how you had the belief that like this could work for us and this can work for us and it has to work for us rather than reverting back to like I'm just going to go and get a job in an office I think because we both we've worked we've worked together since about 2012 and I think because we both have really similar skill sets and like he knows how to even though we both did photography he can shoot anything like I'm more of a lifestyle photographer but he can shoot product he can shoot studio he is like a, a genius I wouldn't be able to do anything without him um, and I think because then I have the skills of the marketing and the social media, he could see, I was like, well, we could do it like this, have a plan. And we knew we could do every element of the business. We wouldn't have to outsource. Like I can build a website. We can shoot the product. We could kind of see the brand and we knew we'd be able to do everything without having to spend money getting other people to do it. So I think the only risk was being like, okay, we're going to spend all this money on products and people might not buy it. But if we can build a really good brand and photograph it, then I think that's the hardest battle, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how like how do you make sure your mindset is in that space of I believe in myself, I'm going to try things. Everything is a risk, you know, without because, again, like a lot of entrepreneurs really, really credit their success to their mindset practices. So what do you do? You know, do you have a daily routine? Do you have habits that you do? You know, what do you do to make sure that your mindset is always coming in to that place of this is possible for me rather than coming in from a place of fear? I always, I grew up being told I couldn't do things. So I have four brothers. I'm the only girl and I was treated very differently. And it wasn't until I left home at 18 and I went to uni that I had my first taste of freedom my first, like, I can literally do anything. Cause I think I was, wasn't allowed to do so much growing up. And I was always put into this box of, well, you're not really going to do very much. Or it was like the day before I went to uni, my parents said, oh, you might as well stay working at the supermarket cause that's what you're good enough for. And I think that is always stuck in my head. And it's always been a like, okay, well, I'm going to prove them wrong. I can literally do anything I put my mind to. And I think when you're always told you can't do something, you're kind of like, well, fuck it. Like they already think I can't, so I might as well just try it. And I think because I've always felt like I've been making up for lost time because I was held back so much when I was younger. I just, I'm constantly working now. It's not like, I still have things where I'm like, maybe I can't do that, but I just think, well, I might as well just try mm -hmm. because if it doesn't work, then I can just move on to the next thing. I'm not yeah. like a one to hold back. I just, 
my mind works so quickly. I always come up with ideas and I run it past John and I'm like, will it work? Will it won't? If I ever have a doubt, I might just move on and go on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Don't no, I think that's the key there that you just mentioned. It's like not giving yourself time to talk yourself out of it. You know, like if you have an idea, jump on it. Run with it. Yeah, like generally an idea is coming to you from a place of intuition, a place of inner wisdom, you know, however you want to relate to it. And it's like this golden opportunity um, to make something really magic, to make something big. And I think the worst thing you can do is procrastinate on that because as soon as you have that moment of procrastination, all of a sudden, all of the self-doubt comes in, the imposter syndrome, those negative mindset. Yeah. And then you end up getting frustrated when you see somebody else doing it and you're like, I wish I'd done it. But actually the key is just seizing the moment. So how do you go from having these ideas, you know, like when you have a moment of clarity that strikes you, how do you go or how do you even know that it's something worth pursuing? And then how do you go from idea to, okay, I'm going to turn this into a business? I will spend a lot of time like brainstorming, even if it's just brand ideas or we go on a lot of dog walks and I'm, I'm like to John, oh, why don't we try and do like a cold water surf brand or like a, like a UK British menswear brand. That was like something we really wanted to do. And then we'll kind of talk about it. And then I'll go home and straight away, I'll make a Pinterest board of like an inspirational look because a lot of my ideas come from like a brand perspective first. I'll get the brand like vibe I'd say in my head and then I'll sit with a Word document and come up with brand names. And me and John will open like a thesaurus and look at different words and then words that are related to it and be like, okay, that could work. And then I'll come up with like a tagline. And then so normally, yeah, Pinterest board first, brand name. And then normally a couple of hours later, I'll buy the domain. I'll find the Instagram handle. And I have about 25 different website <laughs> names on my GoDaddy account, just websites like I've bought. And we've maxed out our amount of the Instagram account names we can have on both both our Instagrams because we just think of so many ideas and just keep it as a safeguard in case we decide to run with it. Yeah. But I think that's what we do all the time. We just think of like brand name, audience, product, and then just do the domain and everything straight away, like within like a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through that process then, let's talk a bit about the idea of like failure. I mean, I don't really believe that there's anything as a true failure. It's just like an opportunity to learn Mm -hmm. or grow, but has there ever been an idea that just hasn't worked out or an idea that you've tried to run with and you're like, this is fucking insane. This is never going to work. Cause I think oftentimes we just see, we see success online, obviously, because that's what people, people share, but what about the times when it hasn't worked out? Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I think it was back in 2013. I'd recently become vegan uh, because I was trying to sort out my hormones. And I really loved the idea of doing like a vegan subscription box. It wasn't really a thing then, like meal boxes. Um, and I decided to launch on Kickstarter. I did the branding. It was called Nectar Boxes. I shot the pro- prototypes and got loads of brands involved to like do the gifting products for the first few boxes. And um, I really enjoyed like setting up the process of it. And I put it on Kickstarter and we went away on holiday and I completely forgot. And I think we missed the Kickstarter by like 50 pound, which meant everyone that had pledged it, the, it wouldn't be fulfilled because I hadn't reached my thing because we were away surfing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was such like a silly thing. I just completely forgot about. And if we'd have pledged the last 50 pound, it could have launched. Yeah. 
But do you think now in hindsight that that was the universe's way of saying like, this isn't right for you? Or do you think that if you'd have carried on with it and reached that amount that you could have turned it into a success? I do think about that, but I think, I think if I, maybe if I was really into it and I really wanted to do it, I wouldn't have forgot about it. That's what I think. I think if I, if I was really passionate about it, I would have remembered, okay, my Kickstarter's finishing tomorrow. Yeah. I need to remember. Yeah. So I think maybe it was just not meant to be for us. Yeah. I think I always feel like when you follow your passion and stop trying to emulate other people's success and actually connect into what's important to you and why you're running a business, the right ideas will come to you so much more organically. Like you won't have to force them. I always find that with Mm -hmm. me, I'll have these like ideas in the shower or when I'm out walking Binny at the beach and they come so they come so naturally And it's when I'm trying to force an idea that I know it's not right. Like if I, you know, if I catch myself thinking I should be doing this, then I'll follow that intuition and really get to the root of why I'm thinking I should do it. And oftentimes it's coming from a place of fear. It's not actually coming from a place of feeling like I'm worthy of this or excited by it. Um, So how do you know which ideas are great ideas? Do you just try everything and see what happens? Or do you have like, you know, do you even your husband have a kind of like fail safe method of working out like, okay, this is not a great idea. We're not even going to do this. It's just quite funny. I think most of the time we just try everything. Yeah. I love that. Um, But he, I I don't think there's been many times where he's been like, no, but I think to start with, I wasn't very good at taking other people's opinions. I'm very much like a, when I get an idea, I just run with it. And Mm -hmm. I have got so much better over the years where, I do want, I do value John's opinion and I want it to be like a joint process rather than just me being like, okay, I've got this idea. Can you help me with it? I want it to be like a joint thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, okay, so I really want to talk about working with your husband, but before then, let's chat a bit about authenticity. It's such a big word, but it's funny because last night I had um, a group program call with um, a program that I'm running and I asked every single person why they joined the program. And they all said, it's because I'm so authentic. They relate to me and my energy. They really connected to my honesty and my opinions. Nobody really said, I've joined because I wanna learn how to strategically market my business. You know, like people buy because they're connected to an opinion or a message or somebody's energy. And so when it comes to selling, you know, what do you, practice in in regards to selling authentically so that you make sure that you're always feeling good whilst you're doing it and never like you're selling your soul or kind of like leaving your Mm. values on the table you know I think even when I used to work my office job when I was doing marketing and social media I found it so easy because I only work with brands and audiences I could relate to Mm -hmm. like I worked with people where I was their target market because I knew how to speak to that customer base. And whenever I had an interview, they would always be like, well, why do you think you're good for this job? And I was like, because I am your target market. I am who you're trying to sell to. And I think with everything we've done with our businesses, it's not as if we're like, okay, I'm going to launch a football brand. I'm not into football. They're not, I don't know anything about the audience. We launch products and brands that are basically us. They're our interests. They're what we're passionate about. So I think it's believable because it's, we're not trying to be something we're not. Mm, yeah how do you how do you like intentionally convey that into social media you know how much um 
how much strategy and planning goes into like your content and the messaging that you're putting out there to make sure that you are conveying you know this is us this is what we believe in this is what we stand for this is the way we live our life because I think this is where people get so hung up they kind of get to this point where maybe they're at the stage where they know who they are they know who they're serving they're really connected to their values but there's like a bridge between that and then actually reaching the right people and somewhere along the line they overthink it and that's where they start to do like you know reels trends or whatever because they they overthink it so how do you go from knowing who you want to reach to then actually communicating that you know how much thought and intention goes into your your content strategy and your marketing so when I used to do it as my day job when I I I was working for Boardmasters Festival. They took me over to be the voice of the festivals. And I always said it was so important to talk to your customers and have an open conversation rather than talk at them, mm. which I think a lot of people don't realize they do that. Like I, when I have a brand, I want it to be like a community feel mm. rather than you kind of treat them then like someone that you just want their money. Like you want it to be a two-way conversation. And when it comes to our brands, um, I don't post as much as I used to in my day job. When I worked for other companies, I would post two, three times a day and I would have a plan and I have a strategy. But I think for us with our businesses, because they organically sell, I've never needed to be so strict on posting multiple times a day, which is really, really lucky. Um, but in the future, I know this is something that I want to have more structure with once we've got the, the multiple businesses in a, like, a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the key there. And this is something that I teach in my like sales programs is that the heart of sales is having a conversation with your community and understanding them and speaking to them, you know, and really getting to know them, but then listening to them and listening to what they say, um, rather than just like coming up with a brand and then just pushing it and throwing it out there. And I think when people think about online sales they do think of the latter they assume that they have to just like present themselves to the world be really vulnerable and just like push this message out of like I'm amazing this product's amazing you need to trust me xyz um so in regards to you know the things that we see in online business um how how good are you at maintaining really strong boundaries with like regards to your competitors or seeing what anybody else is doing and then what is the most like bullshit thing that you see people doing online that you're like you know do you know what I mean like because one of the things that I see people doing is talking too much about the wins and not sharing enough of the like the the lows of business because it is challenging and it's tough at times um and that for me is something that's just like total BS because we can't just, we can't just share the highs of life and not be real with it. So, so for you, what are the things that really like annoy you with online business? Um, and how, how do you, yeah. How do you protect yourself from that? I try and not pay too much attention to what other people's doing just because I do feel like the more you look at other people and their businesses, it will make you doubt yourself. So when it came to our wedding photography business, like I was always looking at what other people were doing just out of interest. But then once you start looking at what other people's doing, you think, well, am I doing it wrong? Do I need to change? And my husband doesn't follow any wedding photographers. He was like, why do I need to see what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Like people pay us for what we do and how we shoot. So 
like he doesn't follow anyone. Whereas I think most wedding photographers, if you were to speak to them, they'd be like, oh yeah, of course I follow loads of people. I want to see what everyone's doing, but it will make you kind of dilute your vision because you think, it's like you said with a real trend, which I hate, I hate reels so much, but you see that on your feed, you feel like you have to do it to reach your customers when really, if you're not into it, people are going to know you're not into it and don't do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's the heart of authentic marketing is like almost like creating a list of things that you do want to do and things that you don't want to do and making sure that you're really clear on the things you do want to do and really clear on the things you don't want to do and remembering that you don't have to do anything you don't want to do in your marketing you know if you don't want to jump up and down and mouth lip lip, lip sync whatever on reels you don't have to Um, but equally if you want to then you do you I think there's there's no right or wrong way of marketing yourself online um Okay, let's chat a bit about working with a partner because this is something I personally get asked about quite a lot because Ian, my husband, works for me slash with me. Um, What is it like working with John? And, you know, what is the reality of working together and having a relationship together? And how how do you draw a distinction between the two? You know, do you have kind of set rules for... Um, what you talk about at certain times of the day. Um, sorry, I'm just turning my camera off quickly because the internet's dropping out for some reason. That's okay. Uh, so luckily, we, we've we always lived together. So we met at uni. Um, we were put in the same halls together and we were on the same course. So we spent every single day together for like the first two years. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until... For the third year where we, we had one drunken kiss and have been together since then. Um, but I think because we always lived together as friends, working together and living together wasn't like a big thing because we'd already done it. Um, so for us, like I've always found it like no problem at all working together because I think we had the foundation of friendship first. Um, one thing we do need to implement better is I work, like I love working, like, if we want to have a night off work, we might have a film on and I'll be like on my laptop in front of me. I'm not very good at switching off. So I think that's one thing I think for us to be able to have a break from work that I need to implement more. But I mm-hmm. yeah, I've never seen an issue working together. It's funny because people are always like, oh, I could never work with my partner. But I think because we are, we have spent 12 years spending basically every day together. It's just natural for us. Yeah. There's no pressure. And how do you how do you manage things like conflict? Because honestly, this is something that Ian and I have really struggled with. And it's funny because we spend a lot of time together anyway. I mean, we lived in a van together. We are very, very close. We spend a lot of a lot of our kind of you know time during the day with one another. But we have very different ways of working. And, you know, because it's very much my business, I have standards and I have ways that I want things to be done. And it can often form you know, some friction and we have to resolve conflict. So how do you, like, does that ever come up for you? And how do you navigate that to make sure that business stays in business and it doesn't creep into, you know, the relationship or, or is it just one and the same? I think we're quite good at like 
reading each other. We can't sit in the same office together because I get so annoyed because he taps a lot. It's like little things like that. You kind of learn what annoys each other. Mm-hmm. So John will edit in a separate room. And, and then we've kind of learned like maybe one person's better at another thing. So like even when it comes to wedding editing, John is primarily the photographer and I'm the videographer. But when it came to like culling down a wedding gallery, you, you'll shoot like 3000 pictures in a day and you have to cull it down to about 500. That would stress John out and he would take a lot longer than I would. So I'll, I'm just now, I just do that for him. We kind of figure out what maybe one person is better at and then we'll take the load off the other person just to make the workflow a bit easier. But we don't really get conflict. I mean, I am a bit stubborn and I do find it hard to take other people's opinions sometimes but that is something I've realized and I do try and involve him and let him have a voice more than maybe I would before just because I used to come up with an idea and just try and run with it whereas now I want it to be like a thing we do together so I've had to learn to be more open to his opinion and know that it is good to have other people's input. Yeah totally it can be really hard when when you have a business that you are basically in love with and anybody gives an opinion whether that's a coach or a friend but especially a partner it feels really personal um when you're coming up with the idea for a business and when you're when you've had that idea that creative idea and then you're fleshing it out into something that could actually turn into you know a successful business are you careful with who you tell um or do you just start shouting about it you know as soon as you've come up with the idea because the reason I'm asking this is I personally I'm always so careful about who I divulge information to about like upcoming projects or things that I want to pursue because I'm so mindful that in those early stages, if somebody's opinion comes in, it could, it could knock you off track. Um, So how do you manage that? How do you manage other people's judgments or opinions or criticisms? So I used to be all gung ho. And if I had an idea, like I'd get the website, come up with the branding in like two days time, I'd maybe share it on social media. But I have got a lot better at holding things back until it's actually ready to launch. And that's something I think John has helped me with because he's like, well, let's just wait until it's actually ready and we're happy with it before just shouting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I haven't really got much criticism. I think I would get a lot of people being like, oh, you just get everything handed to you or everything you do turns to gold. And it's kind of, you know, when people are trying to be positive, but it's kind of like a negative positive. They're like, you're doing another thing. So I think that's something now I've just, I don't really feel like I need the approval of others or for people to tell me something's great. Because if me and John are enjoying doing it, that's that's all we care about, really. Yeah, I love that. And how do you check in to see that you are like enjoying it? Like how, what, what does, what does it look like for you to feel successful and, you know, like you're thriving in your business? Um, I think for us, it was just important where we could make enough money to live comfortably. Like I had a, like a really financially unstable upbringing and that's all I've really wanted is being able to be self-sufficient and, just live within our means. We've never wanted expensive things. We don't have credit cards. We don't have debt. We just want to be able to make enough money where we can just support ourselves, have a little house, go on dog walks. For us, like it doesn't matter if we've got thousands of customers or 50 customers, as long as we can pay our mortgage and pay our bills, like we are happy. Yeah, amazing. And do you have like, 
you know, when it comes to kind of making sales and things like that, do you have targets that you like try to reach every month? Do you set yourself goals or do you tend to just, I don't know, put things out there and see what happens? Like what is your process for, you know, getting, getting sales and getting to that point where you feel like you have enough to live comfortably? When it comes to, I'd say most of our income comes from our wedding business so we will have targets for that where we want to do, say, like 45 weddings a year. And then everything else we do on top of that is just a bonus. So we see all of our other avenues as just an extra income that can help support like our future plans. So a lot of the time at the start of the year, I might have like bullet points of goals I want to do. Like our goal when we launched The Wild Bride was always to try and pay our mortgage off. We bought like a really affordable house in Wales. It was like £80,000. And our goal was to try and pay our mortgage off, which was like a £50,000 mortgage. And then once we did that, it was like, okay, what can we do next? Just so we're just that bit more comfortable. Um, And I think for us, because weddings are seasonal, they're very in the summer, is then trying to think of a revenue stream that will sustain us over winter, which is where we launched the candle brand in lockdown because we thought candles are very seasonal and it would be a nice addition to the weddings once wedding seasons have finished um so when it comes to money we don't we kind of have a value in mind we want when we are booking weddings that we need to hit and then everything else for us is just a bonus Mm -hmm. I love that it's such a nice perspective to hear that you're not driven solely by cash and income I think you know so much of the online business world is just it's just filled with this mentality of more 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 and Mm -hmm. whilst I am unapologetic in that I want money and I want to make more money and I want to feel wealthy I'm driven by the sense of freedom and not being trapped and being able to do whatever I want to do you know creatively but I don't think I hear enough people talking about the fact that that doesn't have to be like huge 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 massive sums of money it can just be enough so that you feel free so that you feel all of your needs are met you know um so what else drives you like what is your motivation when you're having a day where you're like this is fucking really hard and I don't know if I can do this what gets you up and what gets you going uh I love I've always loved building a brand like I get excited by coming up with like an idea and then going on Pinterest and making an inspiration board and then planning like the photo shoots and building the website like I love everything about building a brand and I think that's why we have so many different avenues is because I love that exciting part of coming up with an idea and then bringing it to life like I've Mm. always been inspired by that and I think it it uses so many of our skill sets like we're photographers we're videographers we're self-taught web designers it just allows us to just keep progressing on all of our skills and use everything that, that we've learned over the years yeah Yeah, I love that. So um, before we kind of move on to health and managing business, you know, as a woman, which we are definitely going to dive into, tell us a bit about Camp Out West. And, you know, I think it's very, it's one thing to move from a service-based business to a product business, but then to move to essentially hospitality. Um, What were your thoughts when you were creating this? And what's the driver behind Camp Out West? So we have been looking for land for about three years 
Uh, we live in like a, we had a small, um, is it called a detached, a terraced house, I was gonna say a detached house, a small terraced house with really loud, like inconsiderate neighbors on either side. And it used to just make John so anxious that we just had really like, just not thoughtful neighbors. Like we'd say we're really good neighbors to have, but our, na- our neighbors we had were just awful. And um, we really wanted to buy somewhere that we just lived by ourselves. And um, we, we just couldn't afford it. So we were like, what could we do where we could get more money coming in that would allow us to build a tiny home and also try and reduce the amount of weddings that we do because we've recently got our dog who we love so much. She's called Maggie. We've always wanted a dog. And once lockdown hit, wedding stopped and we started going on dog walks every day. We were home more and we realized how much more we enjoyed being at home rather than traveling and doing our weddings. And then we both get quite a lot of anxiety before a wedding. Like I find it quite hard to sleep. I have a lot of nightmares before weddings that I've like lost my camera or my battery turns off mid ceremony. Like weddings are very anxiety provoking. So we were like thinking of jobs we could do where we would be home more with our dog and we can just enjoy it rather than being at a computer all the time. Mm -hmm. So we were looking at land and then we, came across an abandoned caravan park local to us and um the lady messaged us on Facebook because I'm always writing in Facebook groups seeing if anyone's selling land or anything and the lady got in touch and said oh I'm selling this would you be interested in coming to see it and it was in our budget for about 90,000 which is like really affordable for land and John was like you know where this is you don't want to go and see it so just imagine like an abandoned caravan park that's got trees growing through them it's just been left for years and like no one's going to want to touch it and I remembered where it was because we drove past it so many times and thought what a dump and then a year later she messaged again and was like (laughs) oh uh it's still available do you want to come and see it and we'd been looking for three years so I was like let's just go and see it and we turned up there and yeah it's not amazing but then we found out it had full planning for three uh bungalows and it had its all its services and everything and we just thought well what's why not let's just do it it's in our budget and we could make it our own and I think it's more because it's affordable we're being able to buy it outright after selling our house it just means we can be mortgage free and then we can work less and just yeah build something that's our own I think that's the main drive was always to be mortgage free so if anything happened we had somewhere to live and we weren't stressed about trying to make money yeah I love that So has there ever been a conscious conversation between you guys around like, this is what we want, this is what we're working towards, or has it evolved quite organically? Because I think there'll be people listening to this who are like, yeah, that sounds really amazing. And, you know, how cool to be able to do all of these things. But at what point do you know what the right step forward is? You know, like there are so many possibilities and, when we are driven by our values rather than like having set goals, it does mean we tend to pick opportunities and things that are much more in alignment to us. So have you guys ever had that conversation or has it just all happened quite organically for you to get to this point now? I think we have always spoken about wanting to live within our means. So growing up, like I've said, it was really financially unstable and my family lived above their means. They lived off credit cards. They were always in debt. They needed handouts. It was like such a stressful environment to grow up in, but it made me learn that's not what I wanted for myself. 
And John's the same. John's parents are so practical. They only spend money if they need to. They've always been so good with money, really different to my family. And I think we both, even from when we met, we treated money in the same way. Like we didn't spend it excessively. We knew if we wanted something, we had to work for it. And I think that we've always spoke about that. Like we don't have credit cards. So I think because that's such a foundation for us where we don't want to be in debt, we don't want to be stressed about money. That's always been like a focus of, okay, how can we be financially stable? And I think that's the only real clear thing we've spoken about that we know there's been a goal for us is we just want to be comfortable. Yeah. So how do you feel about money right now? Do you feel like you have a good relationship with money? Uh, yeah, I think we do. I think the process of doing Camp Out West, we're spending every bit of money we have on the land and we are going to be left with nothing. So that's one thing that's been a bit of a stress for us because we've never this is going to be the biggest purchase of our life we've paid off our mortgage and using the leftover money that we made on the house to buy the land outright so we know the process of getting up and running is going to be really long and really hard because we're going to be living in a caravan um but I guess because we've got the all the stores that we've been building up hopefully that will just sustain us and it Mm -hmm. can be an enjoyable thing rather than a long drawn out thing (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. I think to do anything like that, you have to have a, you know, a good relationship with money because you're tr- putting so much trust in it and faith in it that it will come back to you. I mean, I do always believe that when you can invest in things, whatever that might be, that that money will always come back. You'll always be supported. Um, okay, so let's move now slightly different, but I think still on the same you know, kind of message of, running your business your way and really finding ways to to show up for yourself that actually work for you and serve you um so being a woman and managing hormones you've already mentioned hormonal health um, and I know you've spoken about your hormonal health on your Instagram quite a lot recently um tell us a bit about your kind of journey with your hormones and how you find navigating business whilst dealing with all of the shit that comes from 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 that side of things because it's a lot oh it's so hard and I've I've always had bad periods so ever since what I was 11 years old my periods have always been incredibly painful that used to leave me unable to go to school and they'd be so bad I'd be throwing up from the pain so trying to navigate your period at school is one thing but then going into the working world and trying to navigate having to take time off when you're in an office job is so hard and especially how every time you need to call in sick at work I think most people would agree it's like it brings on so much anxiety because you have to try and convince people that you are actually ill you can't come into work today because you're stuck in the bathroom throwing up and in pain when most people think you're just calling in a sickie because you don't want to be in work and I think that's one thing going self-employed has kind of been a weight off my shoulders because I'm not having to have meetings with HR because I've had three sick days in the last two months and things like that. Like being self-employed does help in that aspect. But if I've got a really bad period because I have endometriosis and I'm at a wedding, there's like no escaping that, which is another tricky thing. Yeah, yeah. So how do you at the moment set up your schedule so that it actually serves you and your cycle? 
Um, I use a period tracker called Flow app um, and my period is like a clockwork, which is great. So because we book weddings at least one or two years in advance, I know that my period tracker is going to be on schedule. So if I'm booking a wedding and it falls on a certain day of my period, I know that I shouldn't do it or we have enough time to find cover. So for me, my period tracker is a lifesaver because I don't have to worry leading up to a wedding if the morning of a wedding I'm not going to be able to do it because I physically can't function Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah my period tracker is my lifesaver yeah I've just so I used to use um an app called clue and I've just signed up to Mm -hmm. my flow Um, that's what I've got yeah yeah because I started reading the book woman code um (laughs) and yeah I've very similarly always struggled with my periods and my cycle and I can remember being at work at my desk and being in so much pain from my period that I thought you know I might pass out same as you I used to um I mean it was really really bad a while ago but I've since done a lot of like you know things to help heal it but um I would pass out from the pain I would be like in the bath at 2am with like scalding hot yeah you know when you're it's yeah I mean I feel like we've had quite a similar journey um and I can remember being in this office and my boss who was a woman literally looking at me and being like what are you doing and I was like I'm gonna cry I'm in so much pain I have a hot water bottle I feel sick I feel like I need to just go home she was like you can do you can go home once you've done this this and this and I just remember being like oh my god I am not in control of my body at all and I'm not in control of my time and my space and I think as well for women it's so there is still so much shame around it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think there are people like you, you know, who are amazing advocates for talking about it, especially online, and as part of the conversation that you have around being a business owner. But still, there is still so much shame around it. And still people think that it's normal to have so much pain and to just like grin and bear it almost like take paracetamol, push through. Um, and actually, I think that can be quite damaging, you know, when you're, when you're being forced essentially to work in a way that just doesn't suit you and your body. Um, So what do you want to see more of in, in, you know, maybe not corporate business, because, you know, that's going to take a while and a lot of um, government changes, but especially with online business, when people do have control of their schedules, what do you want to see more of? And what would what would be the thing that you think would help people the most so that they feel that they do have the power to work in a way that actually serves them and their bodies? Oh, I can't hear you. About now. Yeah, there we go. What about now? Oh, perfect. So I think for me, um, the only reason I started sharing online about how bad my periods was and my endometrial symptoms was because my work and colleagues didn't believe me Mm -hmm. so I had to share it so when I was calling in sick I wasn't being accused of just pulling a sickie so I think the more people that are more open about their health struggles or if they are having to take a day off will then make more people realize that it's a thing like I even went and shared it on LinkedIn because I was like how many male managers are there or even female managers that 
they've got staff members that are having to call in sick because they're so unwell with their periods that they're not believing them. So I think if more people were to talk about it, just so there's more awareness in the workplace, that will just help uh, remove the stigma and allow people to actually not feel ashamed or embarrassed or worried they're going to get in trouble for having time off because they're too unwell to work. Yeah, totally. And I have huge admiration for you for doing that, Levine, because I still think we need advocates to be the leaders in that space to say like, look, I'm doing it. It's safe. Nothing bad will happen. You can do it okay as well, because it's essentially, you know, when you're doing that, you are being vulnerable and when you can train your nervous system to know that it's okay to be vulnerable and to be honest about your struggles and nothing bad will happen, then more people will follow suit. Um, I think as well, you know, we get this with maybe people that have chronic pain or chronic illness, you know, there are so many hidden things that will maybe prevent you from going to work or, or showing up in your business or even like, you know, I mean, for me and my business, it would be like showing up and leading a group call. Something that I've really over the last couple of years do for myself is give myself full permission to cancel things um, mm -hmm. and to postpone and to lead with the mindset of I'm a human before a business owner and I'm going to have human shit to deal with <laughs> that means I can't show up and there is no shame in that. It doesn't mean I'm bad at my job or a shit coach. You know, I often will cancel um, things that just I just cannot do if I'm you know, having a bad period or anything like that because more than anything, I want my clients to then feel permission to do the same because if, if, you, yeah. if you can't do that, then you are just forcing yourself and that's never gonna be sustainable. Um, so I think you know, bringing the human into your business is just the most important thing. Um, so what do you think for you is the most important thing for you to feel good about the way you run your business? You know, is it having a flexible schedule? Is it not having calls or any meetings like booked in regularly that you cannot shift? What would it be? Um, I think for us, it is definitely the flexibility. Uh, John and I are very, we get very affected by the seasons and the time of year. And especially in the winter, we both do struggle with our moods. And mm -hmm. I think, being able to if you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling good being able to just be like I need a day off I need to reset I think that's one of the best things we have that we have that flexibility that if we're not feeling it or we need time off or we're unwell or we just need a mental health day because we are our own bosses we can just do our own timeline which I think is really beneficial for us yeah I love that I love that so much and I I really love that you mentioned men taking like a mental health day because Sometimes I think as well, when you're a business owner, you can only take a day off when you're like burnt out or really tired or really overworked or really struggling. And actually, sometimes you just need to take a day to go and think or to be on your own or to just not be on, you know, like just to be yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so just like whilst we finish up and whilst we kind of wrap up, I'd really love to hear from you on just like what you love to do to look after yourself and to switch off you know if you had a day where you didn't have anything scheduled in and you didn't have to do anything for your businesses what would be your go-to thing that would just restore your soul oh, we love 
uh, cooking on the beach. We live really local, like 15 minutes away from this really beautiful beach. And we'll go with our um, like cooking stove and we'll go and cook, take our blankets down with our dog and just cook for sunrise. That's like one of our favorite things to do. And when our friends ever come and visit, we always go and cook them breakfast on the beach so they can just like experience it. And then like a dog walk and just going for a surf, like anything outside, I think is the one thing that will just make us feel like relaxed and good. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh my God, I love that idea of cooking on the beach. I've never thought about doing that, but I could totally do that with Ian. So romantic. I think anytime you can get, you know, and even if you don't live by the sea, just like find somewhere close to you that is a beautiful place in nature. When you can get out in nature, it does just restore everything. And I think when you work predominantly online, Mm -hmm. we need more time away from our computers, our devices. Um, Yeah. Okay. Final question. This podcast and my whole brand is obviously about being a rebel in business and doing things differently, doing things the way that works for you. What does it mean to you to be a rebel in business? Well, I guess it's, not letting anyone tell you you can't do something because mm-hmm. I think when some when you believe someone they just take so much power away from you when really who are they to say you can't do it like most things that we've ever done in our life we've taught ourselves we launched our a candle brand in lockdown we never made candles before we just watched a YouTube video and then we turned over like 70 grand in our first year just making candles that we learned to do on YouTube so I think a lot of people underestimate what they can do even just by Googling or watching a YouTube video, like everyone that has done something in their life, they've never done it before until they mm-hmm. finally decide to take the step and learn to do it. So I think, yeah, being a rebel in business is just believing in yourself and just trying everything and anything you want to do. Oh my God, I love that. Such wise words to finish on. Honestly, that was amazing. Um, Okay, so Levain, tell everyone how they can connect to you, what you have coming up, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to support you, where can we find you? Oh, so I'm predominantly on Instagram. It's Levain underscore James. Um, I don't post much of my feed, but I am on stories a lot on dog walks. Um, And also we have our Wild Bride website, which is our non-traditional wedding photography and video business or we have lavainstore.com or made on the open road.com and then we're soon going to be launching our camp out west um, brand and we're going to vlog the whole process of um renovating the land getting rid of the caravans and then starting our self build for our tiny bungalows <laughs> amazing so i mean it's just so cool to chat to you and learn more about you um thank you so much for this conversation i've loved it i'll link yeah, everything thank you. Oh, thank you i'll link everything in the show notes and yeah just absolutely love this feel so inspired thank you friends thank you so much for listening to this episode of rebel business please if you like the show rate and review subscribe tell all your friends it would mean so much to me and if you have a question about anything anything that i've spoken about business life whatever it is feel free to leave me a voice note there's a link in the description below and of course share this episode with all of your friends just screenshot this episode share it on instagram tag me at m huckstep that's at e-m-h-u-c-k-s-t-e-p Thank you so much and I'll see you next time.